Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. Welcome. It is good to be with you. Today we are continuing our series on the mystics contemplative exploration. And I'm going to kick off our podcast today talking about somebody that you might not think of as a mystic or a contemplative, but we're going to talk about St. Patrick today. And I don't want to do a biography of St. Patrick, but I just want to share a little bit of his story. St. Patrick was supposed to have lived around 400 to 500 AD. And one of the things of note is that uh, he is actually not from Ireland. He is actually from Britain. And he was taken as a slave, as a teenage boy, and brought to Ireland. And one of the things that was a part of his responsibility as a slave was caring for the sheep in the community. And so as he's sitting with these sheep, he has a dream and this dream is telling him to go this certain way to the coast of Ireland and he'll find a ship and go back to Britain and he'll be set free. And so he does this. He follows the path that the dream gives him and he actually does escape. He goes back to Britain and he wants to become a priest and he spends time being educated as a priest. And I think he goes all over Europe. I think he spent some time in France and he, and he spent some time in Britain. And one of the things that kept speaking to him is he had a dream of an Irishman calling him to come back and spread the gospel to, to the Celts, to the people of Ireland at the time. And he does, he ends up getting a whole entourage of people to go with him to Ireland against the bishop's wishes at the time. And so he goes off connected to the Catholic church, but in a, like a pioneer sort of way back to Ireland. And one of the interesting things that I think would be of note for St. Patrick is that he goes back and he establishes these monastic communities. And one of the things that makes them different than sort of the monastic communities at the time is the monastic communities that he created were in the city centers of the communities, whereas most monasteries were out away from people. So he establishes these monasteries right in the heart of these Celtic communities. And so he goes on, and I think a couple things that he's famous for is he's the patron saint of Ireland, and he's the patron saint of dreamers. And so there are three aspects of St. Patrick that I would like to talk about this morning. First being dreams, how dreams were a guiding, discerning force in St. Patrick's life. The Second thing I would like to touch on is forgiveness. What did it take for him to forgive those that took him from his home, enslaved him, and then to leave 
to forgive them to the point where that he wants to come back and be a part of their community and society. And the third aspect I think that is is an interesting thing to talk about is contemplative innovation, that St. Patrick was a contemplative innovator. So I bring up a lot, these, but how do these three different points resonate with you as you hear them this morning? I'm always fascinated thinking about the aspect of dreams with people that are oppressed and the supernatural guidance. Of course, there's the famous Harriet Tubman and some of her guiding dreams, but actually in real life, real time, I know two different families that their parents grew up in Romania under communism, Ceausescu, and both of them had dreams that led them out of communism into safe nations. And then one of the families that I know went back after communism fell and established an orphanage and children's home and kind of this amazing thing. And then the other one also went back and did some various types of ministry. And so like hearing these stories of, wow, the risk and the amazingness of this divine guidance and and again, very specific of go to this particular place and you will find somebody here in these dreams. And so I actually didn't realize that St. Patrick was the patron saint of dreaming, but I think it's fascinating to think about not only just dreams as interesting, sometimes we might wake up and have an interesting dreams, but this life or death guidance that seems to be this universal language, particularly with those that are facing oppression. So I find that quite fascinating. That is really fascinating. And even as you're describing his life, so much of it feels similar to Joseph from the Old Testament scriptures. of Oh, sold into slavery, having these dreams, working in different ways. But then this goodness coming out of all of the difficulty, which is so interesting. And when you talk about dreams in particular, even as we're talking now, sometimes dreams are put out as, oh, people have them all the time. But even in the context of scripture, I can wonder, dreams may be like those ones that are really special. When I have a dream that feels special, it stands out as special. It doesn't go away. I can't stop thinking about it. It's really something unique. And So I think that's very different from, oh, every dream I have is going to be this prophetic dream. It's going to tell me something. And that is really specific. And isn't that how it is when we feel like we are having this like divine interaction of any kind, like whether it's a a song that suddenly makes us cry or a dream that we have or something we see that makes a connection when it happens, it's this light bulb opening that happens out of nowhere. Yeah, I really appreciate what both of you guys have named in 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 what our dreams can mean for us. And I'm reflecting back on some significant dreams in my life. And I think the most recent one actually happened during whenever I was going to school for spiritual direction training. And the dream was this invitation to be hospitable. Not in a way of I'm preparing food for people to come to my house, but be hospitable to people that are different from me. And the dream was so specific. And really, I think one of the things that I was struggling with at the time was judgment towards other people. And so spiritual direction training school is all about you you hold safe space for people. And so this dream was so influential and opening up my inner world to holding safe space for people. So I I dreamed a dream where I was inhospitable to someone who was walking through the park and it turned out very poorly for me. Like it was violence actually happened to me because of my judgment. And then I got to redream the dream 
like a do-over. And instead of the judgment that I had towards this person who's walking through the park, I offered hospitality and a listening ear. And then this person was sharing life story with me and the hardships. And I had such an openness and expansiveness towards this person. And so it was super significant for me at the time. And so I love how dreams can play into our waking world and set us on a course that can be different from where we're currently at. I appreciate Christina, you naming that there's something about particular dreams that stand out. And even as it relates to your point, Chris, about forgiveness and Patrick really having to walk through some of that. And again, Harriet Tubman, Joseph, that you named earlier, the Romanians that I knew there, there is an aspect of I've had an oppressor. I've been, things have been taken away from me. And so I'm now, and in Patrick's case, going back to these people with love and with, so obviously there was huge transformation that happened in his heart. I'm sure there's a whole story or books about that, but regardless that sort of the dream tying into, this is a very divine invitation from God and whatever deep work of forgiveness that he had to do to get to that place. So interesting how those sort of supernatural and the inner work are working together. That topic of what does forgiveness look like or how does it happen? What is that softening that occurs And it's hard to say because when it comes down to us, it seems like it happens on a dime, which may or may not be the case, right? Because if we look at like scripture again, that you have Jonah's story, which is super raw, right? This whole rejection of go to the people and be compassionate and having to go through a dark space in order to move forward. So it is possible that even though you don't get that, that there is some wrestling with really, are you serious? I don't want to do this. And even in the case of our own lives, how long might it take? You know, I had a dream. I was young. I was probably still pre-going to college or had just been in my first year. And I, it was really like when I look back on it now, a call to ministry. So like I had thought about doing ministry and then I had been discouraged from doing ministry. So I was like, no, go into regular jobs. Like people need people that do work in the real world, go do real world work. And we didn't do it very well. I became an opera singer. My husband was a sound engineer. That was as normal as we ever got. But the I woke up with a scripture in mind, which seemed specific. It was like, go south. And at the time I had thought about going to Texas to Bible school. I never did go to Texas to Bible school. So there's a little more like metaphor involved in that particular moment of, What does it look like? Bible school didn't end up being specifically the thing, but there is a wandering trail sometimes to figure out what does this mean? Where am I going? I think sometimes we have a really clear picture. We follow it. We understand it. And then sometimes it's a little bit of uncovering and discovering. Yeah. And I think going into sort of the third idea that I wanted to speak about this morning, contemplative innovator. And that might be a unique term for some, but this idea of someone who processes things. So I think it probably started whenever he was a slave and he was sitting with the sheep and this contemplation thinking, how can I, how can I know myself? How can I do things differently? And I think some of the ways that I mentioned before, like he set up these monastic communities in the center of society rather than on the outskirts is one way. But I think also he, I think the shamrock existed, the triune symbol 
for that people that that's the Celtic symbol. He started using that to explain the Trinity. And I think that came from his sitting. How can I explain how I know God and how I see God through something that's already established in this Celtic community? And so I just love the fact that he probably was a person who spent time thinking, how do I make the contemplative the contemplative accessible for those that I engage with and interact with? And so I think he's just such a great, a great thought leader for those of us that want to think about how do we innovate? How do we cultivate contemplative ideas? Yeah, what you're saying is very inspiring for me because I think there is this theme amongst people that we continue to know all these years later of that same hospitality that you were talking about in a way. How do I connect with people where we're at now in this moment? So if we go back to the concept of like desert mothers and fathers, it was right for their time, probably, right, to go out into the desert. But in this moment, it's apparently not right. And so having that moment to say something new is needed, something or different. It's not always new, but something different. Sometimes it's a returning too, but whatever worked yesterday isn't necessarily going to work today, which does take this kind of deep listening and paying attention. And one of the things I appreciate about St. Patrick as well is that he, like his relationship with the book of Psalms. And sometimes I think in our context, we read the Psalms, right? It's part of the Bible and you read it, but remembering that those were prayers, they were sung prayers initially, but that St. Patrick would pray the Psalter regularly. And I think he would pray 50 Psalms in the morning, 50 Psalms at night type of a thing. And so was just working his way through the 150 Psalms all year long, all the time. And just again, to your point of it's a contemplative innovator, it's creative new ideas, but also just that deep prayer life that he had of really reflecting and meditating on the Psalms and not just reading it, but also praying it. And I'm assuming if you're praying it that much, you're committing a lot of it to memory. Maybe some did become songs at some point that could be shared with others. And so I think that practice has always really struck me about him. Yeah. And I think he's attributed for the certain prayer called the breastplate prayer. And essentially it is like, and I'll use the words that he used, Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ below me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the ears of everyone who hears of me. And I think there's a whole lot to that prayer if you look at it. And I think he's naming God as Christ, but just this ever-presentness that we see with most mystics that I, there's nowhere that I can go to escape divine presence. It is everywhere. And yeah, I appreciate you bringing up the Psalms, Christina. And I think that probably influenced his writing of that prayer that he's attributed to. Some people say that it wasn't actually St. Patrick, but if anything, at least he influenced that prayer. Well, what a fun conversation about someone who means more to our communities other than wearing green and dying rivers green and having lots of beer on a certain day of the year. Very fun. Now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into. What are we into? 
climb into the author and speaker, Dan Sullivan, and I may have referred to him before on the podcast, but he's this delightful, he's currently 78 and just has such a zest for life. And so I've been listening. He has these little short podcasts, little sort of 10 minute things. And so on the commutes, when I'm driving my kids to and from school or to different activities, I can have these little inspirational moments with Dan Sullivan and I just enjoy him. So that's what I'm into. Lovely. I am into, and I think this is a brand, but so they're called no dig fences. So they're very easy. You can get them by the panel and then the stakes to go and you can very easily assemble them. We put several of these together for our gardens yesterday, kind of like interlocking these little coils and like banging the stake in. And then we had this really beautiful enclosure because the rabbits were making burrows and the strawberries and eating the blueberries and just creating all this havoc. And we needed a little way to keep everything in order. And these no dig fences, they're so easy and so remarkable. I'm very much into them. I will continue the varmint theme. We have recently had sidewalk construction. They've taken jackhammers or the bobcat version of that, where it just breaks up the concrete and it's shifted, it's settled. Tree roots have caused it to be uneven and our whole block and probably in a, like a six block radius, they've been doing this work. And what's happened is it has really stirred up the varmint population. And we have a new influx of moles in our yard. And so I got a device that sends vibrations into the ground. It's solar operated. You put it in the ground and it just, and makes this vibration. And apparently the moles don't like it, but I'm trying to find the right location because there's a certain spot in our garden that the moles are digging and they're leaving holes. And I'm switching the, the sonic vibrations from one location to another. And it is the goal to get these moles out of my yard. I don't want them in my neighbor's yard, but I really don't want them in my yard. So varmint extermination, or at least migration. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you make it a great week. Until next time. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week. Music